The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Through this month of November, the church invite us to reflect and think about the final realities. Last Sunday, we reflected on the reality of purification, what the church calls purgatory. I'm not going to speak again about it. <laughs> you can hear to the recording. And today, the church invite us through the gospel of Luke on the reality of the resurrection. Jesus is questioned by the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. They were a Jewish group, religious group, who had no faith in the afterlife. They thought this is it. This life is it. It's not like a resurrection after the dead. So they questioned Jesus with this possible scenario. Someone who dies and leaves no inheritance and then that person, the brother of that person marries the wife and the seven brothers marry the wife one after the other. With whom will she be married in the time to come, in the coming age? And Jesus answers to this tricky question because the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. He says, those who are deemed worthy to attain the coming age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So Jesus says here, one, there's a coming age, two, there's a resurrection of, of the dead. But in that resurrection, he answers to the Sadducees, they, there will be no marriage. So what does he mean? That in the life to come, there will be no marriage. Because if many of you are married, and even if you're not married, the message applies to you as well. If you think, okay, all this effort, and then it's gone. 
or you might think, okay, all this effort and it still continues, no? like it could go both ways. Or you could think to be married with God, like that's so boring. So either way, what Jesus is saying here has a very powerful message. One like we will see that this final marriage with God gives a special meaning to the marriage here on earth. And secondly, marriage here on earth help us understand in a deeper way the final marriage in heaven. So just to understand better the marriage on, in heaven, we need to understand briefly what is a marriage on earth. This one line in the Catechism, that by the way is a book we should read, together with the Bible, read the Catechism, read both. You can find it on Amazon, cheap. The matrimonial covenant, says the Catechism, is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and procreation and education of offspring. So marriage is a covenant, it's a faithful, permanent union between a man and a woman sealed in the case of Catholics by the sacrament of marriage. That it has these two goals, the good of the spouses, make the spouses flourish, make the spouses thrive. Someone calls that like the bonding of marriage. Make the two, the one flesh. And also procreation, babies. Those are the two main goals of marriage. Bonding of two that become one and babies, babies and bondings. So in this way, we can understand that when we get to heaven, the idea of marriage will be a little bit different, but a little bit similar. It will be similar because we will have bonding. We will have companionship. We will be fulfilled emotionally. But our main bonding would be with the Lord. And it will be also a little bit different because, in a sense, babies, we will not have more babies. The human race will be completed. JP2 says, marriage and procreation do not constitute man's eschatological future. Eschatological is a tough word. It means the final destiny, the final time of humanity. Marriage and procreation do not constitute the man's eschatological future. In the resurrection, they lose their raison d'etre, their reason of being. So, what can we learn from this message of Jesus? First, that marriage in, here on earth is kind of an icon of the marriage to heaven. Is a step in the ladder to access this final marriage. If we understand truly marriage in, here on earth, we will begin to understand very shallowly the true marriage in heaven. There's a continuity and discontinuity. So the first thing that we learn from the readings today is that our final marriage with God will be with our own bodies. It will be a physical union. Marriage on earth is 
the flesh union is a union of the flesh. It's the union of two real bodily persons. You, don't, you cannot marry an idea. It's a physical union. So the marriage in heaven will also be physical. Sometimes we forget this. We are not, we don't believe in reincarnation and we don't believe that we are trapped in this body. Some people think that the soul is trapped in the body. That's kind of a, what we could call a dualism. We believe that the human person is soul and body perfectly united. And all the readings today testify to this reality that one day we will be raised up in our own mortal body. We will become a glorious body. Jesus says, those who are deemed to attain to the coming age and the resurrection of the dead. So Jesus himself affirms, you will be raised up. And the first reading, the book of Maccabees, this People who are forced to betray the Jewish laws and they prefer to die. This is what one of the sons of the Maccabean family says. You are depriving us of this present life. But the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. The king of the world will raise us up to live forever. So that's the first message of this reading, that final marriage with God. It will not be just kind of a ghost. It will be you in body and soul, in a glorified body, being united, becoming one flesh, more and more united with God. The second thing we see is that this union with God will be a perfect union. It will be a, a perfect bonding. When this is a healthy marriage, you sense this atmosphere of love, this self-giving of the spouses, this self-forgetfulness, this paying attention to the other, this feeling that you are known, feeling that you are loved. Well, how much more will be our marriage with heaven, with the Lord in heaven? He says, Jesus says today, they will be like angels. They are the children of God. They will no longer die. Why does he say they will be like angels? Not because they will have no body, because he says you will be raised up. But because you will see God perfectly. You will contemplate him face to face with that and you will just be consumed in seeing him and loving him. And most importantly, he will be seeing you and you will realize this and it will be a perfect union with no fear of being rejected, with no possibility of being let go. It's an amazing bonding that the human person will experience with God. It will be completely self-fulfilling, completely satisfying. The psalm we just read says, I shall behold your face. On waking, I shall be content in your presence. On waking, on raising up, I shall be 
content in your presence. So what about procreation? And this, I will use the words of C.S. Lewis, who in the book Miracles, is a long quote, speaks about this eternal fast in heaven. It's a long quote, but bear with me. The letter and the spirit of scripture and all Christianity forbid us to suppose that life in the new creation, heaven, will be a sexual life. And this reduces our imagination to the withering alternatives, either of bodies which are hardly recognizable as human bodies at all, or else a perpetual fast. As regards the fast, I think our present outlook might be like that of a small boy who on being told that the sexual act was the highest bodily pleasure should immediately ask whether you ate chocolate at that same time. On receiving the answer no, he might regard absence of chocolate as the chief characteristic of sexuality. In vain, would you tell him that the reason why lovers in their carnal raptures don't bother about chocolates is that they have something better to think of. The boy knows chocolate. He does not know the positive thing which excludes it. We are in the same position. We know the sexual life. We do not know except in glimpses the other thing which in heaven will leave no room for it. Hence, where fullness awaits us, we anticipate fasting. In denying the sexual life as we now understand it, make us any part of the final beatitude. It is not, of course, necessary to suppose the distinction of the sexes will disappear. What is no longer needed for biological purposes may be expected to survive for splendor. So Lewis, in this very skillful way, he shows the mystery of the pleasure in heaven. We cannot even understand it. We cannot grasp it. It will be so great. It's true that it's not going to be procreation, but it's going to be a physical pleasure that will come from this amazing self-giving between us and the Creator. I finish with this. What about your wife or your husband today if you're married? Or what about your friends? Life in heaven will not exclude all healthy, faithful relationships. Actually, they will be purified and completed and upgraded to a new level. And this is the beauty of Christianity. We will stand before the source of all love. And your heart will be impacted so much by that love that you will overflow that love to everyone next to you, and you will overflow that love to all those you met here on earth. So in a sense, if you are married, the life and the love for your spouse in heaven will be even bigger. You will be completely reconciled. You will experience a deep forgiveness. You will experience who they are in the eyes of God. You will love them in the love of God. It will be a non-possessive love. It will be completely pure. And the same with all your friendships and all the people you met here on earth. 
It's going to be so liberating and so beautiful. So you won't get rid of your spouse so quickly. <laughs> St. John Chrysostom says, Say to your wife, Our time here is brief and fleeting, but if we are pleasing to God, we can exchange this life of the kingdom to come. Then we will be perfectly one, both with Christ and with each other. And our pleasure will know no bounds. We will be perfectly one with Christ, even in a physical way with our bodies. We'll be one with each other and our pleasure will know no bounds. And all of this begins here at the Mass. When we celebrate the Mass, we receive the glory, the resurrection of Jesus given to you in that tiny host. You begin to be resurrected here on earth. When you celebrate the Mass, when you enter into Holy Communion, you begin to be one with Christ. The two that become one flesh. Christ gives himself to you, you give yourself to him, your life begins to be merged with him. And when we come to Holy Communion, this amazing union between all of us gather at Mass, this amazing union with all those who today will receive Holy Communion, this amazing union with the whole church also in heaven happens. What a mystery. 